If you're looking for success in the vacation rental industry, Heather Bayer and the team at cottageblogger.com are here to show you that it's entirely within reach. Welcome to Vacation Rental Success, the show that features interviews with industry experts, successful vacation rental owners, and more, all geared toward helping you make it happen. Here's your host, Heather Bayer. Welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This is your host, Heather Bayer, and I am coming to you from sunny, sunny and very, very windy Arizona. We are in a beautiful state park called Karchner Caverns State Park. I'm actually going to go and get a look at the caverns tomorrow uh, before we move on out to another destination, which is near Parker. Arizona, right on the California border. And that's where I will be with you next week. But for now, I wanted to bring together my friend Jason Beaton and a previous guest on the show, Brad Martineau of Sixth Division. One of the reasons for this is that over the past three to four months, Jason has been working very, very closely with Sixth Division to build a system to help us automate our business and help you automate your businesses as well if you want to take a little more of a look at what they're building. I say automate, but in this interview, Brad gives us the distinction between automating a business and making it automatic. Listen closely to that because that made it all very, very clear to me. And you will notice that Number one, Brad talks really, really fast. So you might have to go back, run it back, listen to what he's saying over again. But please do. He uses some great analogies in this interview to explain what he means by automation and becoming automatic and to explain some other principles of business automation. So without further ado, let's move straight on over to the interview with Brad and Jason. Delighted to have with me today, first of all, my friend, great friend and business partner, Jason Beaton, and also Brad Martineau of Sixth Division. And you will probably remember... I hope you remember if you listened to Vacation Rental Success episode 252, which was entitled How to Make Vacation Rental Marketing Automation Personal with Brad Martineau, you will recall that we were talking about a whole load of automation type stuff and a lot of it based on Brad's experiences of, of being a vacation rental guest and he was bringing into the mix a lot of information, ideas, and principles of marketing automation with the goals of getting more clients, making them happy, and using less time along the way. I mean, this is, this is a principle that you work by at Sixth Division anyway, isn't it, Brad? Yeah, that, that is right in the middle of what you just said is where I believe that like real true profit is found and i mean profit in a broader sense than just money but also in terms of like time and in my life and it's in the middle of how do i create better experiences happier clients so that i can leverage that to create more clients and do it in less time and in that gap it's, it's almost like an oxymoron a paradox when you describe it but that's where the real gap is is can i actually in less time than i'm taking now produce a better experience and then get, or at least have more time to go invest in getting, in getting more clients. And that's exactly, that's exactly where we operate. It's exactly where we live. And, and I believe that your ability to pull that off is ultimately what creates businesses that win. And by win, I mean, make the most amount of money in their businesses. So, yeah. And when, when we talked last time, we were, we were looking more at a sort of a, a strategic overview of the whole idea of automation. You, you use the expression blimplementation. Can you just re, reintroduce that to the audience? What blimplementation meant? Uh, yeah, for sure. So blimplementation is the idea of I'm blueprinting something that I want to build while I am simultaneously implementing it. So blueprint and implementation. And the, the easiest way, like when this really hit me is I've built a couple of houses and I just paid attention to the process as you build a house. And it's interesting. You know what you always do is you always have a really clear blueprint 
and then you go build. And I could just imagine if I were to, if I were to show up at a lot and I had like some graph paper and I had my subcontractors there and I had a bunch of materials. I'm like, all right, so here's the deal. See this square? You start here and just start throwing up a wall. And by the time you're done with that wall, I'll have the next wall all designed and laid out. It's, it's, it would just not work out very well. And nary a person would want to live in said house that got constructed following that method. So the anytime you're going to build these tools and you're going to leverage automation, you've got to think of it. There's two steps. There's I have to build the automated thing and then I use it in my business to save myself time. Blimplementing is where most people fall down when they're trying to build the automated thing that's supposed to save them time. So they end up spending more time than they would actually save them trying to get it built. And most people actually never get it built. They get really frustrated and then they don't believe that automation is something that can actually work for them. And it's only because they were doing it wrong. Well, I have my head in my hands at this moment. And Jason, you know why. Yep, yep, sure do. Because (laughs) I've been doing exactly as you've just described, Brad, for, sad to say, the past 12 to 15 years in my business. And we have muddled through. But, I, you know, we are not alone in the property management business in doing this thing of, of muddling through, hoping that all these pieces are going to come together and eventually, or over time, just giving them up and trying something else. Jason, give us a little bit of an overview. And I, you, you can be as frank as you want about how, your experience <laughs> with my property management company. Yeah, so, so Brad, as you, as you said, the blunt permitting issue is, uh, challenge is definitely one that, that, that they are certainly experiencing with. Uh, they've got some great ideas. They've got, you know, as, as most businesses, I'm sure, they've got a process that works. But they have, I say they, they worked for them, I should say, um, but they have got no idea how to start, you, you know, using automation to help some of these day-to-day tasks. And then in addition to that, you know, that, that second part, the using it in your business, that's that's something I definitely want to explore in the call today is, is really how do you, um, once you have it built, what are some challenges that you guys have seen with um, your clients trying to use the tools that are built inside their business? Is that just kind of a mind shift change or, or or process change. That's, so that's something I definitely want to get into, uh, first of all. But you know, I think in the last the last podcast was really focused around the you know the guest experience and, and bringing the guest experience, creating that perfect you know that perfect guest, guest experience every single time. And this time we really wanted to focus more on the property manager owner operation side of the house. So some of these internal processes. I'm sure that you guys have had several clients who have have. You know, the, the, run the gamut between great in, in, internal processes that was fairly easy to use automation from, then also the ones that have got internal processes that, well, frankly, don't even exist. So, for those who are listening who, who have those processes that are really don't exist, where would you start that conversation at, Brad? As far as you know, trying to get the ideas on paper to start start working forward towards to it. Yeah, so I think that's a great. So it'll be great, and I'm I'm excited to to dive in and, and kind of piggyback off of your experience in terms of what those processes, like what are they? So we can talk about some real examples and give people some, some real values as we talk through it. I think the first, so I think the first thing to consider is I think it's a fallacy to look at the client experience and somehow keep it separate from the back office experience. And what I mean by that is there are definitely some sort of operational processes that you would have when you run your business, like how do I close my books at the end of the month or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But when it comes to automation and the, the ability to create an experience that, that that's going to happen with your clients, there is an experience that's going to happen for your clients. But at the same time, like I just look at it as a, I look at it as two sides of the same coin. One side is what your clients see. And that's a lot of what we talked about last time. The other side is what needs to be done every time a client's going through the process so that like every time a client's going through an experience so that you're at one so that that experience actually gets delivered because sometimes it's not just oh i designed this and emails go out automatically it's a hey, if somebody in our office doesn't do this right here then there's not going to be something there for the client or the client will not have the experience that they want so they're 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 pretty well tied together as it relates to how you would leverage this to create better experiences and save yourselves more time now so, so it'll be interesting to dive in and kind of explore that. But for me, I think the big, the first kind of hurdle to look at or to get over is, is this notion that they're separate? Because the reality is though, there's a whole bunch of back office processes that exist in your business as a result of you getting a client that's going to come stay in your house or on your property or getting somebody who's going to let you manage their property for them. So as that process runs, there's two types of activities that happen within each one of those, you know, say process or experiences. What does the client see? What has to happen internally so that we can continue to deliver 
what the client wants. And, and, and then that extends obviously to when you're going to have any sort of a sales conversation um, and also what you're doing with your leads. So where, where do you think it would be most beneficial from your side in terms of like what kind of processes do we want to jump into so that we have like a real working example and we don't end up just talking theoretically. You're going to say process so many times before people are like, okay, what are we talking about again? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I think one that, and Heather definitely chime in here, but I think one of the, the most fumbled around processes within a property management situation is, is onboarding new owners who have properties that you're going to list that it's going to list with your company. You know, so whether whether it's the application process or it's the conversation you have with them, even down to doing onsite visits and, and, and things like that. Um, I think everyone has an idea of how to do it, but no one really has a. Um, and then, in other words, they've got, they're doing the same thing over and over again without without actually putting some automation behind it. So obviously, there's always some inquiries first, and then it usually follows up with some type of, of um, application or agreement to gather more more details around that. Let, let me give yeah. you, is that, is that let, kind of what you guys are, are working with as well, Heather? Yeah, let me give you just an example because I've been dealing with this in, in the past week. At this time of year, we have an onslaught of new owners who have seen us, perhaps they saw us at a trade show last year, they may have found us online or they've had a referral and we get a, an email from them that says, I'm interested in your services. And we've, we've had three of these today. And we have a sort, what I call a sort of process, and, but I can't even give that any, any credence because it really comes back, it comes to the client to take the process forward. We don't have a, a way of actually driving it ourselves. So what happens is we get this inquiry, we send out an information pack, and then we file the inquiry in a folder. Now, if we're lucky, somebody goes back to the folder a week later and says, oh, oh, do you think we should get back to this person and just see if they've got that information pack and if they've got any questions? But there's nothing in place that actually motors this through and says, okay, so after three days, they haven't, they haven't responded, so we really should go back to them. This, this is where we are, and this is where we've been for 12 years. And we, oddly enough, I mean, this, is, this may, may seem strange, but we do, we do onboard a lot of new owners, but it's more by luck than anything else. Got it. Okay, and, and when we so just to be clear on some languaging too, when you guys use the word onboard, do you mean sell and close, or do you mean they have closed and now you're bringing them on as a new client they've already bought, or are you describing both of those? You no, know, on, onboarding to us means they've we've actually gone out, we've visited the place, they've signed the contract, and the our onboarding process is you know you're now our okay. client. This is how we're going to take you forward. So there's there's two elements here. There's one is going from inquiry to closing the sale. That that's the big one, and we lose a we lose a lot of yep. clients along the way. Yeah, and I think and that that's the reason why I ask. And and for the benefit of anyone and everyone that's listening, it's really really critical as you start to look at automation to recognize that you've got a lot of individual processes and or experiences that make up your entire business. And so and it's a lot easier when you look at them individually. So that's why I like that. So basically what we have is you've got an inquiry and then I've got to do whatever it is that I've got to do. That entire, that process, we'll call it in and of itself, that experience of I've got an inquiry for somebody who, um, and we're talking, so I want to be really clear, we're talking specifically on the side of an inquiry that says, hey, I, I might want you to manage my properties for me, yes. right? Yeah, exactly. We're on the property side. Okay. So there's an inquiry and then there's all the things that happen until that person says, I'm in, here's my signed agreement, let's roll. That is one experience, and we'll call that inquiry to new client. And then there's a new client onboarding, which is the experience that I want to create every time I onboard a new client so they know what to expect, so we have the right relationship, and so they don't come back and ask me a million questions that I've answered a bunch of different ways, but I just didn't ever have the system in place to give them all the answers that they wanted. So there's really two different there's two different places and, and we're talking about two of a, a bunch of them but there's two different places here where automation can really make a difference one of them primarily is going to increase the experience and decrease your time the other one will increase the likelihood that you pick up clients as you convert them so i, I think if we just step back for a second and look at this entire canvas when we talk about automation i think it's important to note that there's a distinction between automation and automatic and, um, and this may be one of the most misunderstood things when it comes to automation. And I think it's one of the things that holds people back the most 
is their definition of what this thing is they're playing with when we think in terms of automation. So when most people think in terms of automation, automation equals robotic, it equals a machine, and it equals that I'm replacing a human being. Now, that's automation. When we think automatic, though, like, so if I have a business that's automated, it's like the whole thing just runs and there's no humans involved. When I have a business that's automatic, when we start to use automatic to describe something, we actually use it differently. So I'm a, I'm a big, big basketball fan. I love basketball. I love playing basketball. I, I love everything about basketball. And in basketball, you've got some people that when they shoot, you'll hear people refer to them as like, oh, it's automatic. Like, and I'll just start listening. you got Ray Allen, got Steph Curry. You've got Reggie Miller. You could make a case for Kyle Korver. You could make a case for, I, you know, I could go down the list. Their shot's automatic. Now, there's a human being doing everything about the shot, yet we still refer to it as automatic because automatic has this notion of like, no, the same thing just happens every single time. Whereas automated is there's a machine that's running it. You see the difference? Yes, I do. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great distinction. So here's, here's why the distinction matters. When we look at it through the lens of automation and all we're thinking of are the spots in our business where a machine or a computer can just fire stuff off, we don't realize that the same principles of automation apply when a human being has to do it. So you already described a whole bunch of it. It's like, oh, hey, we sent out this packet of information and then a human being has to follow up. And where does it drop? Well, the human being doesn't follow up. So, And if we said, well, how do we automate? It's like, well, I don't want to automate it because I want a human being to follow up. It's not about automating it. It's about making it automatic. So how do we make it so that every human touch point in the entire experience, whether we're talking inquiry to close new client or we're talking brand new client to they're up and running and we've got a solid relationship and they're loving our service, whichever experience or any of the other experiences that it could be, is how do we make the thing be automatic, which means which pieces can be automated and then which human pieces do we need to make be automatic and how do we leverage technology to make sure that the human being calls it three days and then calls again at you know, five days, if that's what needs to happen, um, and sends the packet in the mail at eight days or whatever, whatever the case may be. So anyway, so as we look at, I think one of the biggest things that, that sets people off from the very beginning is, is focusing on, well, I can only think of the things that have to be totally automated. And then I guess I'll just put up with, which, which, uh, when I, when I hear sort of the energy as you talk about what you've been doing for the last 10 to 12 years, it's like, well, I get uh, like, we're bringing people on. So the business is making money. Uh, things aren't horrible. And I guess uh, we'll just kind of do these things, but I know we're missing some leads and, but I guess that's just the way it has to be is sort of like the, the general prevailing thought process in, in most businesses uh, that I've found. Would you, have you found similar? That's ex- exactly it. And, and it just repeats itself over and over again. And when we have tried numerous different ways of, of tackling this. And I really appreciate what you're saying about automatic versus automation. I, I think in some, of the, in some of the platforms we've looked at before, it was, it's all automation, and yep. we're really thinking, well, you know, that really lacks the human touch. So how do we do it that, bre- that ha- gives us a seamless process, ticks all the boxes and makes sure that our would-be clients and ultimately our clients feel that they're being nurtured at every step of the way, even if they don't want to buy right now. Exactly. Yeah. And so, I, so to, to make things be automatic, we got to capture one, we have to be really clear what all of the human tasks are that ought to be happening as part of any given experience. So we have to be clear about what's supposed to happen and when they're supposed to happen. So we have, we almost design it as if it's automated, but we know that it's not going to be automated because the human beings have to step in and actually do what a human being does, which is engage in a conversation, do some work, right? So we design it like it's automated. And the analogy for me, when we go design it and we go build it, uh, it, it's very similar. I sort of sort of this breakthrough because I my brain thinks about this stuff a lot, and I've got I've got kids. So I've got five kids, and you know what I found in raising my kids is if I want to implement a new rhythm or a new process or a new anything in my family, you want to know the most effective way to do it is tell my kids we're going to do it, and then give them some sort of an incentive. Well, you know, the incentive helps as a bonus, but. When my kids know, like when it's like, hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to start doing this every single day. My kids are more disciplined at reminding me what it is that we're supposed to do as a family than I am as an adult at remembering it. So I don't know if I've had that same experience. No, that, that, that is spot on. I mean, I did the same thing with my kids. And, and, you know, you mentioned that new rhythm. And I think that's exactly kind of what um, a lot of us from our industry, we, we've got kind of this rhythm of, using a new tool or using a new, uh, say a new tool, but using a new process to make sure that we're, we're going to get to where we want to go with the outcomes we want. I mean, that, that's, that's a great analogy. 
Yeah. So you take so you take the kids, and here, here's what you do: you look at this tool that you thought was just automation, and realize, no, I can leverage this to make this thing automatic. And we apply this principle of, you know, what if I tell my kid, my kid will make sure that I do it, and we just make the automation tool be the kid. So what we do is we go to the automation tool and say, hey, automation tool, will you do me a favor? Will you make sure that on the third day, somebody, and well, it wouldn't be somebody, we'd actually define who we wanted it to be, but will you make sure that somebody calls this person? And if not, start raising all sorts of chaos and like throw a fit on the ground. And we just tell the automation system to make sure that that happens. And it, you'd be surprised what happens immediately is all of a sudden stuff will start to happen. Because you've got a, a kid, I say in air quotes, people can't see, but in, in air quotes, I'm saying I've got this, this automation tool that I can program just like I quote unquote program my kid. Now, look, for anyone that's listening, if you take any sound bite and try to make it sound like I'm suggesting you brainwash children, then we're going to have a problem. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is there's an analogy here of this automation tool that you can take and you can program it and get the same effect as if you just like told your kid, hey, here's what we're going to do. And then the kids will remind you. We well, just let the system remind you. And the system will tell you who to call, when to call them. And the other cool thing is that the system will also do whatever it can just do for you. It's like, hey, I need to send this email at this time. Boom, sends the email. If you, if you need it to prompt you to call somebody, then it can prompt you to call somebody. And it'll give you a button that says, hey, now what do you want to do? And you push a button. And then it can go do whatever would come next, whether it's a send this email or this email based on whether they responded or didn't respond. And so now what we start to do is we're, we're combining automation that's just going out to our clients and creating an experience with our clients with automation that is making the humans in our business be automatic. And if they start to slack on being automatic, we know immediately because we have visibility and because we can program the thing to throw a tantrum. And tantrums get attention really, really quickly. So obviously I'm talking analogies here, but, but that really, that is the idea. So if, if we look at this, like irrefutably, you can't really debate it at all. If you want to leverage automation in your business, in my understanding, in the, in, in, from when I spoke at your event and I rubbed shoulders with a lot of people, my understanding is that you've got the OTAs that basically take a bunch of the money, do all the booking, and ultimately own the relationship. And in the podcast last time we talked about, like, that's been my experience. I haven't had a single, I've done a bunch of VROs, VRBOs, and not one time have I had the homeowner even make any, any real attempt to take the relationship out of the OTA and own it themselves? Not a single one. And I go back to the same places over and over again. So I'm like, dude, if you could, if you could hijack the relationship. Now, that creates, in order to do that, in order for you to go create and deliver your own amazing experience, that means that you either have to go put a bunch more time into it, or this is why we're bringing automation, because automation will let you with less time than you're spending now hijack the relationship from the OTA so that you're actually in control and then create and deliver a systematic experience. So point in all this is if you want to get a different result than having the OTA take the money and own the relationship, then you're going to have to do something else. You have to do something differently. And when we go look at automation, the way to do it is that you can design an automated experience that is both automated to your clients and then automatic to you so that, or automated to you so that you make the rest of the experience be automatic to your clients as well. But it's one of those like, you've got to do something different and you're going to have to build a new rhythm and that new rhythm will produce way better results and way greater outcomes in your business. But it does sort of start with a leap of faith or, or just like, not even really a leap of faith as much as it is a you got to get to the point where you're finally fed up enough that you're going to say, I'm going to stop dealing with all the crap I've been dealing with because I know there's a way that I should be doing it. And if I do it that way, I know I'm going to get this result. And then you just got to go invest in doing it that way to create the result that you want. Okay, this, this, this is all great in theory, Brad. Um, <laughs> you know, and I'm hearing the stuff that makes me excited. And I'm thinking back on all the things I've bought into in the past that, that just haven't really worked for me. So... You know, I, I've got the principles, I've got the theory. How do I put this into practice? So the first thing is we got to get clear where in your business, like which experience are we going to go attack first? Because you can't, there's a, there's a, I think it's a Russian proverb. It might be a, a different proverb. There's a proverb that says, if you chase two rabbits, you'll catch neither one. And so the first key is identify the most impactful experience, the most impactful area in your business. So for some people, that's going to be the inquiry to new client on the property management side. For other people, it's going to be the onboarding of new property management clients. For other people, it's going to be the experience they create when somebody books to stay in their vacation rental property, right? Like there, and I could go on and on, but you're going to pick which experience will be most impactful. Now, 
the most impactful experience does not have to be the one that is directly tied to how you make money because if you're spending 70% of your time trying to do customer service because you have a crappy onboarding experience, then what might be the best and most impactful thing is that you go dial in your onboarding experience, you reduce that time by 50, 60, 70% so that you have excess time to then go put into getting new clients, right? So the first step, so step one is get really clear on what is the most impactful experience in your business and then identify for me to create the outcome that I want around this experience. In fact, we'll just do a little example. For you, what would that be? Right now in your business, you reserve the right to change it later because I'm putting you on the spot. But right now in your business, which experience is the one that's like, man, if I just, it's kind of like when you're cooked in a pressure cooker. It's like, I just need, I got to push the pressure button, just push the pressure out because it'll open up some more room for me to go work. So what would, what would that be in your business right now? Right now in my business, it would be having something in place that, that allows us not to lose these potential clients as they come into us as warm leads and we, we quite often lose them. That's my big pain point at the moment. I, I, can, I can do the onboarding. We've been doing that for 15 years. And All right. So we're talking new inquiry to a close client on the property management side. Okay. So step one is we know what it is. Now we can go focus on that. There are other things that we could do. For now, we're just going to get dialed and focus clear on that. And then later, we can come back around and look at some other areas. So that's step one. Step two now is, okay, we got to seal the cracks. So we got to identify what is this journey? Like, where are you losing these leads? Because then what we're going to do is we're going to go design a, we're going to go design an experience that does a couple of things. One, it enhances the experience that the prospect is going through, in this case specifically. could be a client if that was your experience, but we're going to enhance the experience. And simultaneously, we're going to make it serve the business. So as we go design this, uh, and I'm going to I'm going to skip over the enhancing of the spirit. We talked a lot about that in the last podcast, uh, so I'll skip over that just for now. I want to talk on the side of because the most your biggest your biggest pain point around this right now is not oh I want to give them a better experience. That's what we want to do, but it's like no, we lose them. Mm-hmm. So where do they get lost? Is it the example you gave before that says hey they request an info packet, we send it, and then nobody follows up? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yes. Yep. De- definitely. That 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 is the primary void right now. Okay, so if we look at that, just that piece right there, what would the ideal for just one person? So I just want you to think of one person that comes through. Don't think of the hundreds or however many are coming through. For a single person, what would that look like? Like what would need to be in place so that we weren't losing that? Like there's no way that person could get lost. What would need to happen? So they come in, they request an info packet, right? Mm-hmm. And then what? They like, does their info literally go into like a paper folder? Uh, no, no, it, it goes into an online folder, just the same. It goes in, into a folder and, and that's it. And I know we've been working with Jason for, for, for a while and for, for, for solutions to this, but we don't have, you know, we don't have a blueprint for it. We don't have, this is my, you know, this is where my frustration, you can tell, this is where my frustration's <laughs> lying. So, yeah, so, so go ahead. Go ahead. Um, yeah, so um, I actually worked with, with with Heather's team last week on, on kind of outlining this, and then, so we put got some thoughts down on paper as far as you know what that experience or what that's that uh, is supposed to look like. Heather, it's okay if I share that. Sure. Okay. So um, the ideal, ideally, you know, um, new inquiry comes in. It's at that point in time, it's usually basic information, not really details on the property. So the the idea there is to have the prospect actually complete an application to get to the next step. Okay, it's actually, they've filled out that application. We know they're serious. So now we can start working on like maybe an on-site visitor or something like that. So we would, we would love to t- see some type of, of system where uh, once the inquiry comes in, the um, application and owner, owner guide, um, that packet is, autom- I'm going to use your, use your word here, automatically delivered to them and possibly automated as well. If that doesn't get opened or, or we don't get a response from that, some type of task system to trigger to the account managers to, to say, now it's been five days, we don't have any on this, let's call this person, right? And, and see how they're still interested, did they get the email, something like that, all in the hopes of getting them to fill out the application. And then once they fill out this application, that's kind of the next stage in, in, in their particular business where it's all about um, getting all the de- details on the property, doing all the background work as far as uh, you know the pro- possible revenue situations, doing on-site visits, kind of the Lot, you know, the part of the process that takes a lot more time um, at this stage before you're actually ready to sign the contract. So that, that hopefully gives you a little bit of idea of where, where we want to go with it. 
Yeah, perfect. And that'll that'll be enough to give the idea of how to go approach this, right? So yeah. Uh, so, so notice as you described it, there, there. Um, what do I call it? Is you really describe two different uh, things in there. You describe sort of the the major milestones that people have to go through, and then there's a whole bunch of work that you want to have happen in between. And so, the the analogy for me in this, uh, and, and I think most people will relate to this, is because uh, most people have played a video game at some point. They went to an arcade, and they typically. I feel like you've sat down in like one of those car racing games that are impossible to win and and whatever. So you sit on the car game and what happens is you put in your quarters and you're driving around and your whole goal is to get to what? So that you can keep the game going. Where do you have to get to? Get to the right, the finish line, the yeah, other well, end. Well, you got to get to a checkpoint. So, what, so, so a lot of these games, what they'll do is they'll give you a checkpoint and it'll extend your time. And obviously you want to get to the finish line, but there are checkpoints leading up to the finish line. If you're too slow and you don't get to the first checkpoint, your game's over. But if you get to the checkpoint, it'll add like 45 seconds onto your time or whatever, right? So it's all about these checkpoints. And you described in your process, right, I have a new inquiry, and the finish line is they said, heck yeah, I'm going to pay you money, and you guys are going to manage my properties. I love it. But there are checkpoints in the middle. The first checkpoint is what? You described it already. Getting the application. Yeah, first checkpoint is the application. Second checkpoint is I've got all the property details, and once I have all the property details, then there's probably some more checkpoints. We just didn't get to all of those. But the first thing, so, so once we've identified the experience we want to focus on, now we look at is what are the major checkpoints? Because when you look at everybody, like imagine all the people that are in this in between, they're an inquiry and they're a new client. Like there, and there's this big old huge bucket. When you look in that bucket, ideally what you'd see is some sub buckets. They're like, hey, cool. Now I want to see all the people that have not filled out an application yet. And then I want to see all the people that have filled out an application, but we don't have all their information. And then I want to see all the people that we have all their information, but they haven't actually signed up yet. Right. So I want to start to have some organization of these people. And once I've narrowed it down to that level of detail, then I can start going in and saying, okay, here's what's going to happen every single time an inquiry comes in. So like what you guys have, they're filling out an inquiry online. So if I just start to riff in my mind, that whole initial piece is probably the, the info packet. Is that emailed or is that actually physically mailed? Emailed. All right. It's, it's emailed. And when they fill out the form, are they giving you a phone number? Like, are they expecting a phone call? Uh, normally we would we get an email and we respond by email. Sometimes we get a phone number, but not always. Got it. So as I'm looking at it, your first like from the start of the race to the checkpoint number one, which is get app, that might actually be totally automated. You're sending them to a form, saying, like, "Hey, I want to get some info." Cool. And your next step is to get them to fill out an application. And you may or may not need to engage a human being at that point to call. But what I would want to have is a series of three to five to seven follow-up emails that are intentionally designed to deliver the info packet value and then drive the person to fill out the application, right? Because you may or may not, depending on what you ask for when they request that info packet, you may or may not have a phone number anyway. So once they've an application, now for sure we're in the world where like a human being is going to start, on your side, a human being is going to start to come into the equation. I've got all their information. They filled out an application. At this point, there's got to be a conversation. So now I would literally draw out as a timeline that says, hey, as soon as an application gets filled out, what do I want to have happen immediately? So that I am knowing that the next step is to get an entire profile on all the properties so that we can start to move forward into a negotiation conversation. So what's the first thing that's going to happen? It would might be like, all right, I want to, you know, I want my kid, this automation system, to go tell my assistant or go tell Sally or Joe or whoever. I want it to notify that, hey, it's now time to go call this person because we got an application. And then and then you literally will just walk through and identify what are all of the things that need to happen. And now we're looking at how can we do it with the least amount of time and energy possible. So, so we've identified what experience. We drilled that down into each experience has these milestones that are happening within that experience. And then we go in and we start to say, how can I make this as easy as possible? So as you go to start gathering a bunch of property info, what I would be asking is, is the easiest way to do that, and by easiest, I mean easiest slash most reliable, meaning like it'll actually get done, is it that a human being calls, or can I just do a survey? And can the human being just be creating you know, an element of the relationship? So as I start to look at planning this out, I want to know what needs to happen, and I also want to think of well, what is the best way to make it happen so that it happens, the client feels like they're having a good experience, or in this case, the prospect feels like they're being taken care of. Um, and that might be that a human makes the call, and it might not. It might be that I actually set it up so that it is automated, and I don't need a human being to make every single call. So it sounds like you guys sort of have this thing that you've started to map out. Once you map it out, what you're looking for is where can somebody get lost? Like where can they slip through the cracks? So, for example, they fill out the application. Let's jump to that spot, right? Fill out the application, and you want someone to call right away. Let's say somebody calls right away, um, and they don't get them on the phone, so they leave a voicemail. Then what? 
Yeah, is that a place? Oh, yeah. Like where, and it's not a, it's not a then what, because most of the time when you do this, by the way, for any, for everyone that's listening, when you do this and you say, then what, there's going to be a lot of, well, nothing. That's the problem. I, I got it. I know I've done this before. So the point that you say, well, well then what, what do I do? Like, what do I want to have happen? Do I want to, do I want to bubble up another call a couple of days? And at some point, right at some point, you're going to say they're not responding. I'm not going to call them anymore, but you want to be really clear in the business that says, Hey, when they go down this path um, and they fought an application, I'm going to call them. The ideal scenario is they answer. We have a great conversation and they're like, cool, send me the link to the survey of all the properties or you just take all the information on the phone and now I'm moving on to the next step. What if they don't though, right? That's where cracks start to come in is people don't consider, well, what if they don't do exactly what I want them to do? Which by the way is most of the people. So you identify, well, if they don't respond, I want another phone call. And if I get them on that phone call, they're right back into the main process, right? So there's no, nothing's lost there. If they don't answer that phone call, like how many of those calls do I want to do before as a business we say, okay, at this point we will cut this person loose and we're going to send them over to some of our automated marketing and hopefully they come back around down the road, but I'm not going to keep spending my human beings time trying to follow up with this person. Is it three calls? Is it five calls? You decide that as a, and then you do this and it says, Hey, don't let us ever not follow up at least five times. Yeah. This is where we do fall down as well. When a, a, a potential transaction fails to materialize, and we don't do the follow-up. And, and it's at that point that that client is, if they haven't already go, gone, gone, gone to a competitor, they will. Right. Yeah, and, it's, and the, the tricky part is that it's really easy to get really busy with people that are responding. And, and we could be like, well, people are responding, so I, I, this other list of people that didn't respond right away or whatever. Like, I get that it's really easy to chase them, but there's a whole lot of money that's sitting over here. So there's just adding a level of discipline that says, no, I will not let anybody leave my process unless we reach out at least three or at least five times. And it just becomes part of the work that happens. It becomes part of the rhythm. And you can make it be automatic when you have, again, not just an automated system, because most of the tools that people use are these marketing automation tools that will automate some emails and do all that. But as soon as a human being comes into the equation, it gets all sorts of messy. And that's where people get lost. And the key is to be able to blend and balance both of those together so that there are literally no cracks. Like nobody gets lost. They may drop out, but it's because you decided to let them out or it's because they said no. It's not because nobody knows, which right now what it sounds like is you've got a lot of like, well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of aware, but we're not doing anything about it. And I couldn't go find them right off the top of my bat if I, if I wanted to. And I have no process in place to make sure that we're following up, which is where most people sit because they're like, I know I'm losing people, but I don't have a system to make it easy to work. And I don't have enough extra time to go do all the hard work to be calling when. But if it was just served up, I could go hammer through a list. Like, oh, I got to call these people again i got to call people again. It's only extra. I've got to go sift through an online folder or I've got to go look and try and remind myself I've already called this person three or four times. Where do they sit again? It's all of that that gets in the way. And when you don't have enough extra time, you're not going to get to those, which means you make, you make less money because you're only going after the people that happen to be chasing you down as opposed to being and smart and the extra work that will make the extra money. Wow. Jason? Yeah. Wow. So Jason, as you know, we, we need this to happen. You've been working with Christina. You've also been working with Sixth Division. So, so give us a little background in, in what you guys have been doing. Yeah, you know, well, one of the things that, that we're um, excited about is, is our, um, you know, working with, with, with Sixth Division here to, to really understand these systems as a, you know, as, as property managers and property owners to help owners and help property managers get their time back. So whether, as Brad said earlier, whether that is um, time spending on the wrong people time spent in the wrong medium and ultimately ma making sure that their their businesses flow to flow in a way that really maximizes their, their revenue potential. So we've been working with Sixth Division here the last several several months on working through these processes with various steps, um, both the front end for, for property managers and the front, front end with uh, property owners uh, from a guest experience and onboarding all the way through the the, the tail end with, you know, once when, when somebody stays in, in uh, post-stay type, type experiences. It's been, it's been a great, you know, a really eye-opening experience for for a lot of us in this uh, in this space. So uh, this is something that we're really excited to um, kind of roll out, help our audience, and help other property managers along this experience. Well, I I know certainly from my experience as a property manager that I've invested a huge amount over the past sort of twelve, well, I say fifteen years. That's how long we've been in business, and nothing so far has worked. And I see, you know, that the problem lies in in me as as a principal not really understanding. How how to bring all these moving parts together and make it coherent. And I don't have the technical expertise either. So uh, what solution do you have for us? Yeah, yeah so that's exactly what we're working on. Oh, go ahead, Brad. 
Yeah, no, that's what I was going to say is that therein lies sort of like the paradox and the challenge, right? Which is technology today can make a solopreneur's company feel like he's got a team of five or six or more, potentially. It can take a team that has six to ten and it can it can systematize so that everybody's doing the same thing every single time. Like it's possible now, whereas before it just wasn't it wasn't possible. Here's the here's the challenge. Um, the challenge is, is that is the the hurdle that it takes to get the system set up in a way that one will work with your business too is something that you can actually start to adopt and utilize like there's there's a consideration at the very beginning jason said hey so what are some of the mistakes that we see when people are trying to put all this together and how do we how do we navigate it and one of them is they're building all of this and all they consider is the client's experience and they don't consider their own team's experience or their own experience which my guess is if we went through and spelled out all of the hey i've tried a ton of different things over the last 15 years especially over the last three to five, where technology started to get adopted, a lot of the breakdown is going to be uh, is, is going to be that it's not built with the end user in mind, meaning your team, so that it's easy to use and it actually makes your life easier. So a lot of people are like, oh, and automate everything. We get really excited and they go automate a whole bunch of stuff. And, and what they forget is it's it's sort of like when you get married. So before you get married, you know, you get comfortable just kind of living by yourself. You get married, there's another person in the house. And you have to, or start living together, whatever. You have to adjust and adapt and get used to having another person in the house. You know what I'm talking about? Like it's it's different. Not, I'm not saying it's it's good or it's bad. In fact, in in most cases, it's really really good. Um, but I still have another person there. So like my my daily habits change, and I and I've got to get used to it. When you're looking at making a business as automatic and using technology, you have to design it and plan it knowing then that you have to give yourself some time to adjust to living with this new person, right? So if I program this thing like a kid, I'm going to have a kid in my business. Now, it's not a kid with all the negative connotations. I've got, I've got a robot over there that's going to do what I tell it to go do every single time, which means my business will run differently. And if I don't plan for that and I program this robot that's going to go haywire because I want it to do a million things, it's going to scare the crap out of me and it's going to crush my business. So the, the key is being really clear about the strategy you're trying, like what are you trying to accomplish, what are you going to put in place to get that result, and then as, and then how are you going to adopt it so that you don't, you know, it's sort of like, and it's another analogy, it's like when you're starting a campfire, the worst thing you can do when you're trying to start a campfire, is goes back to my Boy Scout days, you don't just go throw a bunch of really big logs on a campfire, it'll put it out like that. You've got to add little, you got to add pieces. You start with the kindling, then you go a little bit bigger piece, a little bigger pieces to ultimately you can get a fire going. The same thing is true when it comes to adoption. So I think one of the things that has had people probably start and then stop and maybe shy away from it a little bit is like, oh, I've tried these things and they don't work. And what I would say is, yeah, but I don't know if you really tried them in a way that you actually thrown a log on top of a match and saying, hey, I tried to start a fire and it didn't work. It, it's like I would just say, you didn't really try and start a fire. You, and I'm not saying that you were dumb and you did it wrong. I'm saying that's just not the way that it works. And 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 like if I did that, I'd be like, well, I, I, I didn't know any better, so I should I should know better. So what we really put together as we've been working together is is a combination of what are the most important experiences that we know just based on your guys' experience in the vacation rental space. Number one. Number two. What are the things that can be put in place that will produce results in that space? And by results, I mean less time, better experience more control over the business, more visibility into the business. And then how do we build it so that when we bring somebody in without them having to go build any of it, we just want to come install it, we can install it and it's easy to adopt so that it's not the equivalent to trying to throw a log on a match and be like, oh, well, it didn't work. So we've tried to navigate all of the things that have had it not work in the past, which is usually the idea is too big, it's too theoretical, or we're trying to adopt too much too fast. And how do we simplify it down to like, no, I'm telling you, if this, you just put this in place, it will create the results. Because all we're doing is we're automating a strategy that you would be doing manually anyway if you had the time because you know that if you did it, it would produce the results. Right? Like th this is like the biggest – I think this – I'll try and wrap up on this. I, I feel like this is the biggest thing that I that – I, whenever I'm working with someone, I really want them to grasp is – so here's the question. If you could call every one of the people that were inquiries and you called them at least three times – Okay, if you could get a phone call to every single one of them at least three times, would you make more money in your business? If all you could do was increase the number of outreaches and people you got a hold of, would you make more money? Do you have any doubt that you would make more money? That's my first question, I guess. I, I have no doubt. Okay, so if we put automation in place to make it so that that happens automatically, then it's not like, oh, well, because we put automation in place to make it happen automatically, now I have doubt. No, it's just the tool to actually make it possible. Mm -hmm. and. 
if if I have a property and I hijack the experience, and let's say I did it all manually, let's I'm like I'm like despicable me for anyone that's seen that, and I've got a whole bunch of minions, so I've got like this never-ending army of resources, and I hijack the experience. So as soon as somebody books through VRBR, VRBO, or HomeAway, I grab their info and I say, look, here are the emails I want you to send over this timetable with this video and this thing I want to drop in the mail. Here's exact, and I want these phone calls to happen. Here's exactly what I want to have happen. If you hijacked that relationship and you owned it and you did all your follow-up surveying yourself, not through VRBO, but through your own system and you started to build a relationship, do you have any doubt, if it was done manually, do you have any doubt at all that it would produce more revenue and happier clients for your properties? Well, if, if, you t- if you go back to your experience of, of booking the same place through VRBO each time, and if, if that experience, if that new experience caused you to book directly with the owner over and over again, then that is going to be a significant bonus for the owner. Yeah, that's my point. My point is, is when we look at it, if we, if we take the automation away and all the technology away, and we just look at what we're trying to implement, it's like, no, irrefutably. Like if I called more people, it would work. If I did X, Y, and Z every single time I onboarded a new property management client, I know that what would happen is the number of questions that they have would go down, which means I'd have more time. I know that their satisfaction level would go up because they didn't have to ask me a bunch of questions. And because I trained them and prepared them for how to be a really good client, which means I'm going to have more testimonials I can use in my marketing and I've got more time to go sell more. So like if I could do it all manually, if I had all the time in the day, then I know it would produce the results. And somehow, for some reason, what happens with entrepreneurs is as soon as you introduce technology, like, oh, but I don't know if it's going to work. Well, how could it not work? All automation is doing is making it so that it's automatic, that what you just said would produce the result happens automatically. That's it. It's just making sure that you can't come up with an excuse to not do it. So either you believe that that's going to produce the results or you don't, and automation is just a way to make sure it's just a way to make sure that it happens. It doesn't have anything to do with whether automation is going to work or not. Automation is just making a strategy that you decided to implement automatic. That's it. That's all it's doing. So, so for us, it's well, how do we then eliminate the cost of adopting the automation? Because that's where the biggest hurdle has been is we got to eliminate the cost. If we can get the cost down of adopting, then it's a lot easier for someone to come in and be like, look, I've only got like I got one property or two properties or three. I'm just getting started. It's like, great. This will be the greatest investment ever because you're not going to drown yourself and then go look for help. We'll have you like have breathing room from the very beginning. We'll have your system dialed in from the very beginning. And it doesn't have to cost you ten thousand dollars and eighty, you know, eight thousand hours of your time to try and get it up and running. It's like, no, this thing's just in place and it just works from the beginning and it's designed so that you can just go adopt it. So anyway, that was a long roundabout way. But that really is those are the key elements uh, to look at, in my opinion, as you're looking at automation and how you can leverage it to make a business that's more automatic. Um, and that's exactly what we've been focusing on as we've been putting this together. Jason? Yep, and that, that's exactly right. That's uh, that's why I'm really, really super excited to have have you guys um, on a webinar here here real soon about, uh, you know, just, just ex- explaining that in detail and going on a little bit uh, a little bit further depth on on how we can own the guest relationship, and in this case, also own the owner relationship, and make sure that we've got everything in place uh, to to help our businesses going forward. Yeah, I'm I'm excited about this because you know we we can talk about it like this, but I I think the idea that you guys are doing a webinar and and going to show it with some with some graphical information, I'm sure that to me is is going to you know sort of really wrap it up and put the ribbon on it. Cool. Yeah, I'm excited too. And, and for any, anybody who wants to uh, register for that webinar, uh, you can go to vacationrentalformula.com slash 6D-training, and you'll be able to get all the registration information right there. Yeah, and I will put that on the show notes, so you will uh, you will get to see that. And, of course, we will be broadcasting a lot of information about this uh, this webinar all over, whether it's on Twitter or on Instagram or Facebook. You're going to be seeing it over the next few days. So it's no excuse not to register to come along and listen to the webinar. Who's, who's actually doing the webinar? Uh, I am. You are. Well, then that really does it for me, Brad. Um, for anybody, <laughs> anybody out there who sat and watched Brad at the Vacation Rental Success Summit in San Antonio. This is not to be missed. The only thing is, is that nobody's going to get you know, neat games to take away with them. Yeah, that, that'll be a little bit harder to pull off, but we'll, we'll, we'll make it fun. Excellent. Hey, Brad, this, this has got me super excited again. I am looking forward to coming down to meet you guys in person uh, at some point in the, in the near future and to get our system all up and running for our company. 
we will be talking in person again at some point very soon. Brad, an absolute delight to have you back with us. I love the analogies. I store them all up, I write them down, and, and I steal them. There we go. Yeah, absolutely. Jason, as ever, always a delight to have you uh, you with me on the show. Absolutely. This has been fun. I love these things. So, guys, thank you. Um, we'll, we'll be talking more about this in the, in the future, and, uh, and you'll see a lot more about it on the Vacation Rental Formula and on our social media channels. So I do hope you come along and join me as I listen into the webinar as it comes up very shortly. So I hope you were able to catch all that. As I mentioned at the beginning, I'm sat in a in the RV in a wonderful state park, um, but it's very breezy. Well, breezy. There's a gale gale blowing, and and I think it has impacted the uh, the Wi-Fi somewhat. So if you didn't catch it all, please go to the show notes and check out the information on the webinar that Brad is going to be presenting very shortly. It will be in the next week or so, and I'd love you to be there. I'm definitely going to be there. I mean, this whole system is so important to me because I think it's going to revolutionize the way I run my business. And it's about time I got revolutionized, I think. Um, So that's going to be it for me today because I'm going to go get this edited and out to you as fast as I can. And I hope you really enjoyed listening to my friend Jason and the powerhouse that is Brad Martineau of Sixth Division. So until next week, when I will be talking to you again, have a great time. And as I say, I'll see you on the webinar. Bye. This episode of Vacation Rental Success is over, but don't worry, Heather will be back soon. Want more great resources? Visit cottageblogger.com for tips, tricks, downloads, and strategies to help you achieve profit from your vacation rental business.